1940, San Francisco was the place to be. In those days, a stiff was a stiff, and a dick was still a detective. Are you sure the police didn't follow you here? I'm positive. They came with me. Peter Falk is Lou Peckinpah. Yeah. He knows every cheap dame. I like the sound of your name. Peckinpah. Know what I mean? Jeepers, every cheap joint. Let's get them peepers. And every cheap crook in town. Boss boy? He's Neil Simon's cheap detective. Should I keep the change? No, I'll keep the change. Nobody in their right mind would hire him. But the price is right. Does $500 interest you? Very much. Then bring it. It's an expensive restaurant. It's a case for mystery lovers. The initials on this handkerchief are AP. What does AP stand for? Arma Chalmers. Chalmers begins with a C. This is a P. Palmers. Arma Palmers. It's for money lovers. Twelfth of all the wealth of ancient China. Music lovers. Dodolowski. And murder lovers. Gotcha. No, I think they got you. It's not just who done it. Oh, boy. It's who's in it. And Margaret. I'm Jezebel Desire. Accent on the desire. If you're not busy, Fred, I get off at two. Eileen Brennan. Don't you think two's a good time to get off on? Sid Caesar. I came as fast as I could. Stockard Channing. James Coco. Just watch. I'd like to see somebody die regular on this case. Dom DeLuise. Does oatmeal have lumps? Louise Fletcher. I follow my gum. John Hausman. One gin sling. I'd rather have a brandy. One gin sling is the waiter. One brandy, one gin sling. Madeline Kahn. It's Wanda Coleman. I don't care what your name is anymore. Just make one up so I know what to call you. Vivian Purcell. That's better. Carmen Montenegro. That's my last one, I promised. Fernando Lamas. So the black fox and the silver wolf meet again, huh? And of course, you remember the gray rabbit and the blue chipmunk. Paul Williams. You call that a snap? That's a love tap. Now give it to yourself good. Go on. Give me that gun. Marsha Mason. Oh. Abe Bogoda. Phil Silvers. And Nickel Williamson. <laughs> a delightfully gush. It's Neil Simon's Cheap Detective. The movie was something for everyone, except the cabbie. No tip. Death in the family. I wish it was you. Hello, and welcome to the Film and Water Podcast. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. And uh, back on the show after much too long a time is our pal, Luke Dobb. Hi, Luke. Hey. How's it going? Good. Welcome back to the Film and Water Podcast. I, uh, it's funny. When you log into Skype, uh, you get that little thing where it tells you the last time you spoke to somebody. And yeah. it says, last time we spoke was over a year ago. I was like, I couldn't believe it. But, but yeah, That's la- a shame. Yeah. The That's last, a crime. The last time you... Crime. There you go. Good good pun. The last, time you, were, <laughs> the last time you were on the show was when you did... Um, we did the double feature, La La Land and Rogue One. And so that was over Are a year ago. Are you kidding? Yeah. That's, wow. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's way too long. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm happy to be back. Ex, I'm happy to have you back. Uh, we are actually referencing with this episode an episode even older than that one. Because, of true. course, uh, Luke was on the show in episode 12 early on, <laughs> uh, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, uh, to yes. talk about 
Murder by Death, one of my and Luke's all-time favorite movies, and that was just a love fest for that movie. You know, we were just Pretty going much. on and on about how much we love that movie. And so this week we're talking about The Cheap Detective, which is another Neil Simon uh, movie, a parody of detective films, and it has a lot uh, of overlap with Murder by Death. And this is one of these movies that pre-IMDB I had heard about. I knew it existed. But I'd never seen it, and I didn't know much about it beyond the title, that it was you know, Peter Falk in a Neil Simon comedy, The Cheap Detective. Like, okay, whatever. And then right. once IMDb came along and you could look these things up, I was like, oh, my God, the, the overlap with Murder by Death is, is overwhelming. Not only did Neil Simon do these films back-to-back, they share, they share a director, <laughs> Robert Moore. Uh, of yeah. course, Peter Falk is in both. He's basically sort of playing the same character, but we'll get into that in a moment. But the, yep. ca- the, ca- the this movie also features a- uh, Eileen Brennan, who was in Murder by Death, James Coco, who was in Murder by Death, and um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, James Cromwell, who was in Murder by Death. And it features <laughs> a lot of the same crew, a lot of the, uh, the, the behind-the-scenes crew. So the overlap here is, is just astounding. Now, not only that, not only does it have all those people in it, but listen to the cast list for this movie, The Cheap Detective. Not only does it have Falk and Brandon and Cromwell and Coco, it's also got Anne-Margaret, Sid Caesar, Stockard Channing, James Coco, oh, I said James Coco, Dom DeLuise, Louise Fletcher, John Hausman, Madeline Kahn, Fernando Lamas, Marsha Mason, Phil Silvers, Abe Vigoda, <laughs> Paul Williams, I'm Not Done Yet, Nicole Williamson, Scatman Crothers, Vic Tabak, Jonathan Banks, Mike Ehrmantraut himself, and for fans of MASHcast, David Ogden Styers. I mean, this is this movie is bursting at the seams with great talent. And so um, I was happy to finally get a chance to watch this movie for the Film and Water podcast. A bit, the plot is very basic. It's Peter Falk plays Lou Peckinpah, a bumbling San Francisco private detective who tries to prove himself innocent of his partner's murder while helping a bizarre array of characters recover a lost treasure. The film spoofs Casablanca, the Maltese Falcon, Chinatown, and to have and have not, among other classics of the genre. So, Luke, you and I have not talked about our reaction to this movie uh, before. So, so what did you think of The Cheap Detective? I loved this movie. Uh, this, this the, the type of comedy... Uh, well, first of all, the cast is amazing. Anytime anybody walked on the screen, it was... You know, I, I was looking, thinking, oh, my gosh, it's another person I love. Oh, my gosh, it's another comedic genius. Mm-hmm. So the cast was amazing. Uh, I really liked the movie. I really love this type of comedy uh, with all the wordplay and the uh, it's just so good. So I, I, I found I just enjoyed it immensely. Um, the plot was secondary to all the gags. Uh, so much fun. That's yeah. Well, you're right. Yeah, this this is. I think we we describe murder by death this way: is that this is a bunch of highbrow people doing lowbrow humor. I yes. mean, this is Neil Simon doing. I mean, there's a there's a recurring joke about uh, Lou Peckinpah keeps his drink in drawers, so he's always opening <laughs> he's always opening bureaus, and there's like a martini sitting in there. Yeah, ready like to that. go. And um, well, and even in the one scene, it's like he asks, "Do you want you know the martini uh, with or without olive?" And he's going for the top drawer. Yeah. At first, and then she says, "With the olive," and so he, then he goes one drawer down. <laughs> right, and, and I mean, and and the Neil Simon here is not above using you know really cheesy names. At one point, they they and some of these are uh, I would say not exactly 
correct for our tip. We're a little more, a little more, uh, we're a little more socially, conscious. a little more socially conscious. Because uh, at one point they refer to an address uh, as a third in Bulldike, which you're like, okay, all right. Um, and there's another reference to a Chinese person using a term that I won't refer to, as you can imagine what that is. So right, it's right, it, right. It, it's it's definitely stuff that wouldn't really pass muster nowadays. And and I will say I. I liked this movie. I didn't love it. And the reason okay. the reason I found myself is, again, the cast is just off the chain of how good it is or how many great people it is. And I love seeing Peter Falk and Eileen Brennan because, of course, they're they're in Murder by Death together and they mm-hmm. are hysterical. And, and as usual, Eileen Brennan, I think, is the funniest thing in this movie. Like, she was just always funny. Eileen oh, yeah. Brennan. Yeah, um, she's terrific. But my, my the part of this movie that I had a sort of problem with was that Peter Falk is kind of the straight man in this movie. He's the most normal guy in this movie. Okay. And that is, the, like, to me, Peter Falk is <laughs> riotously funny in Murder by Death. And so the fact that he's kind of playing it straight here feels like a bit of a lost opportunity that you have okay. all these crazy people around him, but he's kind of not delivering the jokes as much. And that, I was a little frustrated because I love Peter Falk so much. He's so funny as Sam Diamond. That yeah. I wish he was more like Sam Diamond in in this movie. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. But yeah. nevertheless, I mean, the movie looks beautiful. I mean, it looks like a vintage '40s movie. There's uh, in the opening murder when the cops arrive, played by Ava Vigoda and Vic Tabak, who like mm-hmm. who, you couldn't ask for better movie cops than Ava Vigoda and Vic Tabak showing up right. in their fedoras right. and all this stuff. But there's this amazing down. Uh, like a shot from the top of a building down of all the period cars landing and you see like the hotel scene. Like it looks genuine. If you didn't know this was a comedy, you would think this was, you know, Chinatown, you know, or something like that. And <laughs> there, there must be something to that because the, the cinematography for this movie is by John Alonzo, who also shot Chinatown. So, I mean, well, there you go. Robert Moore was getting ringers for this movie. <laughs> what did you think of yeah. the, the, what did you think of the ongoing gag about, uh, people that have been shot and they haven't fallen down yet. So they're constantly finding corpses just standing up straight with just like bullet holes in their heads and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that, well, of, of the, uh, of the running gags, that was one of the weaker ones, mm. but I thought it was, uh, I mean, it was still really funny that there's so many gags that continue throughout this movie. It was delightful, but yeah, that, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, the, there's the, uh, Madeline Kahn shows up as one of the, you know, mysterious femme fatales in this movie. And w- another running gag is that she keeps changing her name. She has like, she has like 27 pseudonyms in this movie. She, she calls herself Mr. Montenegro, but she also refers to herself in like a thousand different names. And that's a running gag. She calls herself Barbara Stanwyck at one point uh, yeah. in this movie. So <laughs> I actually found that a little bit confusing at one point. Just because there were so many names thrown out. I mean, terribly funny, but at, at one point I was like, Whoa, who, wait, who is, who is this? Why, why do I care at this point? Uh, too, almost one too many names. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was funny, too. And, it, well, in t- typical Big Sleep style, like, you can't really follow the plot at a certain point. You're just like, all right, I have, I have no idea what's going on. And I, I'm like that with the Big Sleep. I think, it's, I think it was the Big Sleep that had the famous conversation between John Huston and, oh, shoot, who wrote the big, Dashiell Hammett, because John Houston went to Dashiell Hammett and said, wait, who killed so-and-so? I can't follow it. And Dashiell Hammett was like, I have no idea, even though he wrote it. He had no yeah. idea. He, could, he lost control of his own plot. So, yeah, you're not supposed to pay attention to the plot of this movie. It's really just whatever jokes they can hang. Yeah, uh, they get you from one on. gag to the other. Yeah. 
Uh, I think probably one of my favorite bits was um, uh, Betty DeBoop. Okay, okay so that's right. Eileen Brennan. Her name is Betty DeBoop, which was great to begin with. But her opening, her introduction as a character, she serenades a bar. Yes. By singing, I don't even know what that song is. Do you know what the name of that song no, is? No, no, I forget. That's a, it's a great bit, because I love when she does the sing-along, and then she just says, now just me. <laughs> she's just singing by herself. She sings the whole song without knowing the lyrics, but two words. So it's la, 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 la. And then she gets the whole crowd singing, it's la, 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 la. <laughs> and they all have to sing uh, with her. Oh, that's so good. Eileen Brennan is just oh so effortlessly funny. I mean, yeah. she just is so fantastic. And she's one of those people that I feel like probably wasn't as appreciated in her time. Uh, mm-hmm. Because she just is, I mean, again, her and, and Falk together, Murder by Death, are, are great. But it's Falk, so good. Falk, as Stocker Channing uh, is in this movie playing his kind of like put upon his Girl Friday secretary. Um, which is kind of a nice change because, of course, she's you think of her as uh, Rizzo in Greece where she's the right. kind of bad girl. But here she's the innocent, you know, kind of uh, doe-eyed kind of girl, which is, I think, what they were, you know, like I think she got cast a lot in that until Greece. I think Greece was what changed her image. But she's uh-huh. funny in this movie. There's she's this, great. Yeah. Um, there's the whole sequence with Sid Caesar as the old man who's married to the chippy, played by Anne Margaret, who does not show playing. Anne Margaret plays Jezebel Desire. Uh, spelled with a Z, by the way. Um, <laughs> it took me a while for them to, for, for to recognize Sid Caesar under all that makeup. Because he's oh. got all this old man makeup. I didn't realize <laughs> that that's who it was. I saw that part. Uh, I just rewatched it again this morning just so that I could come to this fresh. And his, uh, his introduction in the film, when they wheel him in the wheelchair, I, I, it made me wonder how many takes they must have had to do because he's so funny in that role. Right, and the, the whole thing is that the, obviously he's a rich old man, and he's got this young hot Beautiful. wife played by Anne Margaret, who is of course <laughs> stunning in this movie. She, it's funny she gets oh, yeah. sec, she gets second billing, but she does not show up until two thirds of the way in. Like the movie's, you know, like a, thir- a two thirds over by the time she shows up in it, which is kind of funny considering she gets such high billing. I guess she was yeah. a relatively big star back then, but she looks phenomenal in it. Mean, she looks great. She does. There, and there yep. are shots in this movie. I think again, uh, I mentioned John Alonzo who shot this movie. Peter Falk looks great in this movie. Not that he was, you know, unattractive, but he wasn't a Hollywood leading man type. He looks like Robert Mitchum in this movie. Like, he looks yeah. great. I mean, I, he's a I plausible kind of detective in this movie. Yeah, there were scenes where I thought, wow, Peter Falk looks really fantastic in this yeah. movie. And, and then standing uh, and playing opposite all these amazing actresses, too, who, who are actually taller than him. He really, you know, he, he carried his own. He had... He had so much confidence in this role that uh, I, I really, it, he really garnered a lot of respect for me in this film. Not that he didn't have it already. But right, right. I just thought, yeah, I thought he looked great too. Yep. How familiar are you with like Humphrey Bogart movies? Because this movie really, I think, depends on you knowing a lot of the tropes. Because like I said, it's not not only is it parodying Casablanca, but it's car- car- parodying a bunch of his other movies and just the Bogart persona, which was a big thing in the 70s. There was Played Against Sam by Woody Allen. There was right. the, the Man with the Bogart's Face, which featured uh, a guy whose whole career was that he looked a lot like a Bogart, like, that he managed to actually like eke out a movie career based on the fact that he just looked like Henry Bogart a lot. Like, are you, 
I mean, most people have seen Casablanca, but I mean, are you familiar with a lot of the tropes that they were sort of riffing on in this movie? Uh, not too many beyond Casablanca. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the big scene in the bar where they uh, they they parody the singing the Marseilles versus singing Watch on the Rhine. That that's big in this movie. James Coco is the the sort of the uh, mater D of the. Uh, of the restaurant, and his his uh, his right hand man is David Ogden Stiers, which is great. It's fun to see David Ogden Stiers, who I'm obviously familiar with as Major Winchester, but kind of only in in other like highbrow stuff. It's funny to see him be so silly uh, yeah. in this movie. And I, I looked some stuff up and had found out that he booked this movie like the same time that he booked Mash, and he had to juggle shooting Mash while doing this movie. And I'm like, oh, okay. which is amazing. That's a hell of a year. You know, to kind of go yeah, for an okay. unknown actor and then do this. And apparently, according to IMDb, and, you know, your, your mileage may vary with some of the stuff you find on IMDb, but he actually arranged a small amount of the movie's music, too. Cause he oh, was, really? Yeah, because he, he was a, I don't know, a professional musician, but he also did conducting. Like, that was one of his passions. And so apparently he worked on this film's music oh, as well, which cool. is more remarkable. I was like, I love that. That's great that, like, with Neil Simon or whoever would let him do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun to see him here, just being very silly. We have Scatman Crothers. They always great Scatman Crothers playing, uh, yeah, obviously parodying the uh, Sam from from Casablanca. Right. You know, one of the the people in this movie who I thought was really funny, and I did not expect him to be so funny, was Fernando Lamas. Fernando Lamas is playing kind of the 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 uh, Paul Lucas, not Paul Lucas, playing the 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 other the, the Ingrid Bergman's. Um, boyfriend in husband in Casablanca I'm blanking on his name at the moment oh but I mean but Fernando Lamas is really funny like he is totally setting up his his straight man persona and I think a lot of people only know Fernando Lamas if they know him at all from Billy Crystal's impersonation of him on Saturday Night Live which was the you look marvelous thing but oh, oh yeah Fernando Lamas is is a rip in this like he's he's really really funny I was I was impressed so that I'm trying to remember. That's uh, let's see, Fernando Lamas. He's Paul that Duchard. Paul, is he with the bullet in the head? Uh, no, he's the one. He's the the guy that shows up at the end. He's the one who's making the deal with uh, the pre- presumed Nazis here in this movie. And uh, he he comes. I forget the name of. Uh, he makes the. Um, he calls up at the end, and he's got the 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 pseudonym. He's like the blue chicken or something like that. And oh, he shows, yeah. <laughs> He's the, he's that the, was great. He has a lot of scenes with Nicole Williamson, who is uh, ostensibly the Nazi in this movie, playing the uh, right. playing Colonel Schlissel uh, in that movie. So yeah, everybody's got funny names. John Hausman plays Jasper Blubber, uh, who was <laughs> playing doing the Sydney Green Street thing. So it's it's like I said, it's it's everybody keeping a straight face. And some of them, again, a lot of these actors, Marsha Mason plays uh, Georgia Merkel, and she gets to be very silly in this movie. And that's, again, that's not somebody yeah. you saw do a lot of silly stuff. She, she was, of course, Mrs. Neil Simon, and she did a lot of his movies, but this is her playing in a very different gear. And I, I like her. She's funny in this. Yeah, there was, there was hardly a person that was not funny in this movie. The only, I think the only person that didn't connect with me in, in their character probably was and this breaks my heart because I love the rainbow connection. And uh, <laughs> it's Paul, it's Paul Williams. I thought his character was a little weird. Well, the, the Paul Williams' big gag in this movie is when, uh, is when, the, the, was when Lou Peckinpah forces him to slap himself as right. punishment, which is a parody, of course, of Chinatown. 
Oh, okay. Where Faye Dunaway gets slapped back and forth. My mother, my sister, my mother, and he keeps hitting himself. And and uh, <laughs> uh, Luke Peckinpah is like, "Hit yourself harder." And Paul Williams has to keep hitting himself. But yeah, it's Paul Williams is one of those weird ass movie careers that, like, you know, he's in a Planet of the Apes movie. He does the music yeah. for the Muppet the Muppet movie. He's here. His character is just called Boy in this movie, even though he was about I don't know, maybe about forty when he did this movie. <laughs> boy in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, he was probably the only one that I was that I had a little trouble connecting with, and, and felt like oh, I, I had to work to to maybe enjoy uh, what he brought to it. But he didn't have a lot to bring to it to begin with. Um, as the the cabbie, we see uh, Phil Silvers, the great Phil Silvers, uh, who apparently was was pretty ill at this point, but uh, uh, he got worked in because he was just friends with with Neil Simon. So we see him in there. I think this is one of his last movies. He died in the early '80s, so this was one of his last things that he did. Dom DeLuise uh, as Pepe Damascus. Um, he's, I, uh, I, he's really funny in this movie. I, I've never found Dom DeLuise that funny. Just because okay. to me it's like I think of him and I think of him as the sidekick to all the – in those horrible Burt Reynolds movies. You know, it was like Stroker Race or Cannibal Run or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I hear Chris Frankel gnashing his teeth right now that I'm saying these things about Burt Reynolds. But uh, but here he's really funny. Like I mean, he's – there's uh, – he gets a lot of good – comedy beats in this and he he's he's doing kind of a lisping character which again might not pass muster nowadays but uh but no, i yeah cause i think as you said i think everybody here is is pretty funny tom deluise i've always thought would play a great abe from house of secrets yeah oh my god he would have been great as that oh yes yeah. what a missed opportunity oh i know right if that were a show Having him introduce every episode, that would have been fantastic. Oh, my God. That would have been great. A Netflix show, The House of Seek. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would have been really great. Um, so I was introduced to most of these most of these actors through, uh, and I think we talked about this way back in episode 12, uh, through The Muppet Show. Like, that was my introduction right, right. as a kid to all these actors. So uh, that, again, like that style of humor just fantastic. James Coco was brilliant as well, I thought, in this movie. Yeah. Oh, he's somebody that I wish I, I – there's a lot of these, you know, because these actors are before my time, um, or I at least just caught the tail end of a lot of their careers as a little kid. Um, are there any other movies that, that host kind of this cast? I know there's Clue. Well, that's what I was going to uh, mention, Clue, because, of course, Clue has Madeline Kahn and Eileen Brennan in it as well. So there's the overlap right. there. So um, good. They're just so electric when they're all together. Yeah. I mean, Clue is one of the – Clue is, is a weird mixture in that it's got some older people and then some newer ones like Michael McKeon and Christopher Lloyd are kind of more you know, 80s figures. And then you've got Madeline Kahn from the 70s and stuff like that. But, yeah, this is – I mean, there were some um, – there was a there's a movie called The Big Bus, which is a parody of disaster movies, which I know Stucker Channing is in. I have not seen that one, but I know that's another one that's got like one of these sort of presumed all star casts kind of yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, no, I mean it, it's uh, it was amazing that you could get all these people simultaneously. And at the end of the movie, uh, when you've got uh, Lou Peckinpah going away, he goes away with all the girls. He gets in a cab. Yeah, and got... you you got all of them. They get them all in one scene, which is <laughs> probably, hard, probably hard to put that together. But yeah, it's kind of amazing to see Scatman Crothers and all these people. That is something that I always enjoy is when you see a movie featuring an actor who is still kind of working, and then you realize that they were in movies with people from 
you know, an incredibly older vintage. You know, you're like, wow, yeah, right. this person, you know, did these movies with this person. You know, that kind of thing. Like, you think that somebody like, oh, I guess everybody, almost virtually everybody here is oh, sad. I almost got now that it's dawning on me. Like, everybody here in this movie is gone now. I mean, Brandon, Peter Falk, mm-hmm. um, James Co, like the whole uh, James uh, James Cromwell, like he's still around. Um, but yeah, a lot of them are, right. are all gone. But yeah, it's it's uh, um. I'd have to go back and look and think about movies from the 70s because you, you had a lot of those older actors still around and still able to do things. So, yeah, you could get together these massive casts. I mean, some of the um, Robert Mitchum movies that he did in the 70s have those kind of amazing casts because they you know, it was the strength of people are like, oh, I want to do a movie with Robert Mitchum. Um, yep. This is off topic a bit, but it reminds me of there's a movie called The Score from 2001, directed by Frank Oz. Oddly enough, there's another Muppet connection. Oh. Yeah. And it that movie that movie's cast the the main three actors are, um, uh, oh shoot, what's his name? Who played the Hulk? Not Mark Ruffalo. What's his name? Uh, oh, Edward Norton. Edward Norton. It's Edward Norton, Robert De Niro, and Marlon Brando. And really, yeah. And um, <laughs> Ed, what? I'm blanking on his name again. Edward Norton. Edward Norton said in interviews, literally the only reason he did the movie is so he could have a poster with his name on it next to Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro. <laughs> like that was all he wanted. He was like, I want to be able to say I was in a movie with Marlon Brando. You know, so yeah, sure. Who I would? think, yeah, I mean, exactly. So I think there's probably a lot of that. Like you just have a chance to work with all these people. I mean, John Houseman, for Pete's sakes, worked on Citizen Kane. You know, imagine you get a yeah. chance to say I worked with John Houseman. And John, I think John Houseman was on The Muppet Show, too, wasn't he? Am I wrong about that? Hmm. I feel like he was. I, I would have to look. Yeah. That I one think, I don't remember. I know Madeline Kahn was, and we know Just that Blubber. Peter, I think Peter Falk was, and James Coco was, and Dom DeLuise was. So he had a lot of the yep. overlap with all these all these people. So, But yeah, it's, 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 it's I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. It's not as funny as Murder by Death, but I mean, I saw Murder by Death when I was like 10. And, you know, things that you see at 10 years old, if they strike you funny, if they hold up, they're, you know, you're going to have a sore, sore spot in your heart for them, and they're always yeah. going to stay that way. So this movie, maybe if I'd seen it around the same age, if I'd seen it back-to-back with Murder by Death, I might sort of look at these as two peas in a pod. Instead, that sure. was more like, ah, this one's kind of, you know, like the weak sister to it. And it was sort of funny as I was thinking about it. I was frustrated that it wasn't a sequel to Murder by Death or a prequel. Sure. Because I'm yeah. like, well, why can't he just play Sam Diamond? And then I realized, well, I I probably would have been more critical of it as a lukewarm sequel. It's kind of, I think it's almost more imaginative that they crafted a new story. You know, that they have all the same <laughs> act. You know what I mean? Like, like sure. I like I would love to see Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Sigourney Weaver in a movie together again. But I don't want to see them doing other Ghostbusters. Like to me, that's sort of played out. But if they like doing a movie together, just have them do another movie. Just just contrive another story. So in the end, I'm sort of happier that they Neil Simon came up with something quote unquote original for Falk and Brennan and see them all and, and have them play different notes. I thought that's actually again more imaginative. Sure, it gave everybody a little bit more room to play. I think. Yeah, exactly. I'm, su- I'm surprised that I'd never heard about this. Yeah, this movie's kind of just disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I, my my dad was a, a huge fan of all those you know actors and actresses and 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 he was always the one that would you know bring home like young Frankenstein like hey we're, we're watching a movie tonight this is what we're watching and and uh, you know this this to me seems like the sort of movie he would we would have we would have bonded over 
as a kid. So I could yeah, see that surprised you, me it went by without without me ever having heard about it until you mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, I could see this being a dad movie because it's rated PG and it has just enough kind of like naughty humor that a dad I think would appreciate it, but nothing that would be he'd be afraid to show his children. You know, yeah, there's nothing all gone over my head as a kid. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. there's all right. There's all sorts of gags in it that are a little on the risque side, but they're kind of old school risque. I did notice that uh, Neil Neil Simon. I was about to say Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond has nothing to do with this movie. That Neil Simon wasn't above literally repeating gags from Murder by Death. Um, <laughs> and I get, you know, you have to think this is an era before home video, so it wasn't. Yeah. He wouldn't necessarily assume that you'd remember that he was stealing his own jokes. But like later on, when James Coco gets shot. And you know, he pulls open the robe, and you see that he's bleeding out. And he's been—you find out that he's been—he's had this bullet hole for two years. And yeah. Lou Peckinpah's like, "How the hell have you survived for two years?" And he, and he says, "A completely salt-free diet and a lot of exercise." You know, that's literally the same joke that that Truman Capote had in *Murder by Death*. It's like the same gag. Uh, but it's a good one. It's but it's worth a good reusing. gag, right? It's a good gag. So yeah. why not? Yeah, why not do it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. I could. I. I wish I missed this this style of humor so much. I. I still wonder if it would play with today's audience. I feel like tastes in you know tastes in comedy, tastes in anything change, and, and tastes in comedy. You know, there's no exception there. Uh, this style of humor is so. I don't know if subtle's the right word. Definitely like the the racial jokes and all of that kind of stuff. That would not play. Right. But but the the vaudevillian style of humor, uh, the banter back and forth, I I wonder if that would work nowadays. It does require some level. Again, it's it's highbrow people doing lowbrow humor, um, and I wonder if that would yeah like some of the gags like the bar that uh, that Lou Peckinpah goes to, goes to was called like um, Saint John the Dunn Bar. You know, like it's gags <laughs> like that. You have to have some like level of literary knowledge yeah. or, or knowledge of other things outside of pop culture. And one of the things that I thought about when watching this movie is like, is Casablanca something that's ripe for parody? Like, is there something about Casablanca that makes you want to watch a parody of it? And so if they did a movie like this, it's like, what genre would they parody? I guess like you could do superheroes. I, that's sort of like mm. the preeminent genre nowadays, but I don't know whether that, I mean, they're, 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 there is one of those movies, like those one of those awful, not another blank movies, not another superhero movie. But I wonder if somebody with some real pedigree and some real talent couldn't parody something that's in the culture now. I mean, I, again, I there was so much Bogart fandom in the '70s. I could see why you would think, well, we can just do a whole movie of Bogart pastiches. But at the same time, <laughs> Casablanca isn't inherently silly, and so. I wondered about when you're parodying it, I'm like, how much does this land? Did I think on some level, like when you make fun of something, it's something that takes itself so seriously that you're, it's kind of asking to be parodied. And Casablanca to me is just so beloved. I don't know if people, I don't know if people want to see it, see people take the piss out of it. You know what I mean? Well, but isn't that what this movie did? I get, yeah, but I mean, uh, see, my argument is I don't know how well that worked or not. You know what I mean? I don't know. I feel oh, like I see, like it, it's like mm. the, the the scene at the end of Murder by Death when Truman Capote rails against the detectives, you know, and he's and he's yeah. like, you know, he goes, "You guys brought in characters that were never in the book before." Like he's 
making fun of a genre that if you were a fan of the genre, you're kind of nodding your head. You're like, yeah, they do kind of do that. Yeah. And I, so superhero movies, I wonder, would that work? Because superhero movies require a lot of the audience to kind of go, uh, yeah, okay. You know, he shouldn't <laughs> he shouldn't be able to do that, but he can because it's a superhero movie. So I wonder if that would work. But Casa- That's a possibility. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, but Casablanca feels... You know, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, maybe people in the seventies. You know, I, I was a kid in the seventies. I didn't see this movie, so. Um. I guess the most modern tie I can think of, as I'm just sitting here with this, you know, sitting with this type of humor, the most modern thing I can think of that did this successfully was Frasier. Where again, it was highbrow people doing lowbrow bits. It was slapstick comedy, uh, with a, a bit of haughtiness to it. I could see that. Yeah, Frazier did a lot of that. They would they would toggle back and forth between broad gags, you know, like they did the episode with the guy with the funny nose, and that was just like a broad gag. And then they would do very highbrow literary opera jokes. So yeah, they would. And that's something I've always liked about um, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. That's one of my favorite shows. Oh and sure. What I love about it, that show is that it has dumb jokes, and then it has incredibly highbrow stuff. And I like that range of of yeah. things. And so uh, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. see that. So yeah, this is I'm. I I don't think that this is uh, ever was put on Blu-ray. I don't think it's available. I think it's it's available for for streaming. You can rent it. But yeah, it's a movie that's kind of um, this is a phrase I've been using a lot lately. Ever since I heard it on um, the movie film podcast from Zaki Hassan, where he, he has a phrase "falling down the memory hole," and this is one of those movies. "Murder by Death" has some level of cachet. I think probably because of the cast. I mean, again, it's Peter Sellers and David Niven and all the stuff. Sure. But the cheap detective just seems like. It's just forgotten. It, it, it's not. It's not a film you hear about in Neil Simon's filmography, obviously, <laughs> um, very much. You know, so yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And and Robert Moore is one of these directors that never. I don't know. Like after this, he didn't have like that huge of a career. Even though I think this is actually pretty well directed. You know, like he could have done. I think a, a passable genre movie. Uh, oh, he might have sure. done a good job, but he really was kind of Neil Simon's house guy. He directed uh, Chapter Two for Neil Simon, and he did The Sunshine okay. Boys. So I mean, he did a, he did a lot of TV as well. So he was not somebody that that really had much of a, a film career outside of the, you know these sort of Neil Simon projects. But he should, there's a lot of visual panache here. I mean, this is a really handsome looking movie. Oh yeah, yeah. The directing was great. The yeah. beautiful beautiful movie. Looks fantastic. Yeah, I could see I could see uh, the director hopping right off and doing a straight up, very serious detective movie and and having it pass. Yeah, I mean, again, he wasn't he wasn't like you didn't see him at all. Like he was, yeah, he did his job. And imagine if you could uh, assemble a cast like this in a in like a quote unquote real mystery, like that might have been something. I mean, my because Peter Falk, very good at drama. Madeline Kahn could do drama. Like you have a lot yeah. of really heavy, dramatic, heavy hitters here. It would have gotten yeah. interesting to do it. Um, I would say that um, if you are a fan of Murder by Death, you're listening to this, and you're a big fan of Murder by Death, as Luke and I are, I would give, I would give Cheap, De- Cheap Detective a view. I'm sure you would, you would recommend it even more than me. Oh, I would highly recommend right. it. I, if you, yeah, if you liked Murder by Death. There's no reason to not see this movie. I think you'll get some great laughs out of it. it maybe it's not uh, the same powerhouse that Murder by Death was, but it's a lot of fun. I laughed. I, I had a lot of out loud laughs while watching this. And both movies are like 90 minutes each. You know, so they're yeah, nice. They're and not short, a so big they, investment. Yeah, yeah, they would work well yeah. as a as a double feature. So yeah, it's it's. it's I'm I'm really glad that we finally had a chance to to do it when we were doing the Murder by Death show. I think we discovered like on air. 
that neither one of us had seen Cheap Detective. We were like, we got to get around to that. It only took yeah. you know, like four years, but we finally did do it. Yeah, we finally did it. Yeah. So. Okay. What are What are we going to do four years from now? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I have to see if some other. I we'll have to find some other big cast comedy that we can, All right. we can take a look at, or, or some something <laughs> oh, else with good. Truman Capote. I think he was only in like two other movies. So, uh, so Perfect. anyway, uh, yeah, that's a cheap detective. Give it a give it a, a shot, everybody. There's some there's some definitely funny stuff, and it is just fun to watch this amazing group of actors parade around. It's just they're uh, so talented. They're yeah. so funny. Yeah. yeah. And one, one, yeah. final, one final comment I put. Eileen Brennan looks exactly like Lana Del Rey in this movie. <laughs> it's just a random comment. I couldn't help it. She has this big hair. I picture Lana Del Rey in the Eileen Brennan story or something like that. She just looks, she looks phenomenal. Eileen Brennan. Yeah. So good. So, so uh, good. awesome. Well, Luke, thank you so much for, for coming back, man. I Sure. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, glad to, glad to do this anytime, man. Um, where can people find you on the Internet and make sure that you tell them about your big book project? Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, well, my big book project, I'll start with that, is uh, The Story of Luke and Lunchy. That's a children's book I just published. Uh, it's based on a slightly true story. I used to forget my lunch all the time when I was a kid, <laughs> and my mom would bail me out. She got so tired by around middle school <laughs> that she she brought my, my lunch bag to, to school covered in lipstick smooches. That oh. was her uh, her way of embarrassing me so that I'd never forget again. Ah, I like so that. In this, <laughs> in this story... Uh, there's a little boy named Luke and he forgets to bring Lunchy to school and Lunchy has to make his way to school all on his own. So it's Lunchy's adventure meeting up with Luke in time for lunch at the school. So kids book, it's available on amazon.com. I think you can look for it on Barnes and Noble too. I haven't checked there uh, to see if it's up on that site yet. It uh, sells for 25 bucks. It's written and illustrated by me. It's, I'd say, for ages about zero to four. So it's a young kid's book, brightly colored, fun illustrations. And uh, I'm hearing Johnny in the background. Hi, Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. Johnny is, she's been very good during most of these. For how many podcasts I have recorded, she's pretty right? good. But she's finally, I think she's had <laughs> enough today. She's just very irritated. So yep. So that's the story of Luke and Lunchy, my, my kid's book. Really excited to, to launch that. I, I did that just so that I, um, to, to have that ready in time for San Diego Comic-Con, which I just got back from uh, last Monday, this Monday. So, um yeah, uh, you can find me on DobCreative.com. That's D-A-A-B, creative.com. And then I use Dob Creative as my handle for Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Dob Creative is on Facebook as well. And then I also have a Patreon page where people can support me doing my, my artwork. So uh, always happy to grow by a few dollars here and there with patron support. So that you can find me not with Dob Creative, but Luke Dob. Fantastic. I have a shirt with Luke's artwork on it uh, that I was uh, gifted uh, to from Russell Burbage at the Heroes Con last year. Yay. And I, I, will, I will say that is in my regular rotation. I wear it to work every single week. All right. So I'm very happy. Yeah, it's a, it's, cool. it's a great shirt. So uh, awesome. Again, of course, everybody, if you want to find back episodes of our show, go to the network site, fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we're talking movies, as always, on Twitter, at Film and Water Pod. So Luke, thanks so much for coming back on. It's always great to talk to you. And, uh, Good talking to you, too. Right, yeah, thanks. thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next week, that's a wrap. Lou, you are never going to believe what happened to me. You made it. Good girl. If I was, I never would have gotten the papers. You mean you and that pig schlissle? You sent me there. Lou, it was terrible. Don't tell me what he did. He made me play war. I don't want to hear about it. He was a Stutka dive bomber and I was Poland. Forget it, I said. I had to pretend I was asleep, and then in the middle of the night, I heard these, these great big bombers overhead. Why do you dames love to tell me these things? Keep it to yourself, all right?